What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's, that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muxbound. Chicks okay. dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Here we are again. Mook's Bout episode 793. Uh, today I'm joined by Chuck Pino. The guy Woo! who replaced me last time is now replacing Eric. He is, uh, as it says, the handsome Eric. Well, I mean, you know, if we're talking music, music, like if I was a band, I guess I'd be the replacements, right? Y yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I guess you're almost as good as the replacements, the actual replacements. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's it's good to be back, man. You uh, you took my podcast virginity many years ago, and uh, here we are again. And now we're co-hosts. It's like I feel I feel like Anakin hanging out with Obi Wan, you know, right before he turns to Darth Vader. <laughs> it's it's great because you and I have been friends. For those of you who don't know, for over twenty years. So I'm sure in a lot of ways, Pretty both long, of us, painful years. <laughs> we've both taken each other's virginities in a lot of different senses over the years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is just one more to throw in the books. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> um, I will say just so everyone's aware, I'm sorry. For some reason, it did not go live on Facebook. Apparently it was deleted or something. So we're only live on Twitch and YouTube. Great. Fuck Facebook. Who's the cutie substitute? What's up, <laughs> Eric? Hey, what up, Eric? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't have time to host, but got plenty of time to talk shit in the comments. I actually talked shit about you when we were on, when we did the interview. I can't remember the dude's name, but when Eric and I were on here, I was like, yep. the least I said, I get that Ben's internet's not working right now, and that's why I'm here. I understand. That. But the least he could do is fucking pop into the comments and say hi. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Sorry, man. <laughs> Dude, uh, I, it's just me being a dick. <laughs> yeah, I'm bad at talking shit. Well, at least digitally, I'm good at doing it to people's faces. That's true. It's funner to people's faces because you get the reaction. Hell yeah! So it's been a minute. How are you doing? Uh, I'm. You know what? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm. Uh, uh, you know, I I love this show and and the idea of punk because we get to be a little honest. So mm -hmm. been having a mental health issue and been working on that. And, and at the very beginning of the year, uh, my family and I decided that 2023 would be all about healing. So that's what this has been about. And so healing is work. It's a lot of work. It's yeah, it stitching together scars. It's doing the work. And so that's what it's been. And um, it means that a lot of other things don't get done. And, and it means that a lot of things that are uncomfortable come up. But it's been really good. You know, um, as tough as it is and as, as often as, like, you feel like it's uh, two steps forward, one step back, we're still stepping. We're still doing what we got to do. So, um, you know, it's, it's been good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with, you know, 
I always consider to be uh, like punk to be like the most honest kind of expression of music in terms of like, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't censor itself from any certain emotions. It allows the anger, it allows the sadness, it allows the joy, all of it gets thrown in the mix. And, um, you know, healing carries all, all those emotions too. And yeah, you know, it, it's cathartic. It, it is. It is. Yeah. And uh, well, as much as it sucks going through the process, I'm glad that that you're going through it because uh, I've never seen anybody work on themselves and come out, you know, uh, anything but better. So, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm, I'm I'm super excited, man. And, you know, like punk and metal, because, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a metalhead than I am a punk guy, though I do I enjoy punk and I appreciate it. Um, they're both that way. And I actually had a, yeah. a little fun theory in my head. Like, why is, is the heavier rock, especially hard rock and whatnot, I feel like it's been suppressed. We're not really seeing it in the, mm. the Grammys or, or on radio that much. We have a local radio station and they won't play anything after like 2010. So a lot of that for me is like, I'm like, so what is it about? Like, is this some kind of like, this is me having fun conspiratorially or whatever, but like, is it some kind of like subversion of, of anger? You know, the fact that we don't want to play really angry. Cause even like, you don't hear a lot of like rap that's on mainstream. You're not hearing necessarily a lot of really angry rap unless it's like, say aimed at, people rather or like like at specific individuals rather yeah. than systemic you know yeah for sure i you know it's funny i was i was just talking to a coworker about that we were listening to the radio and you know like i have a spotify subscription and i use spotify a lot so like my playlists are pretty well curated so i i, I don't really listen to radio very much unless i'm working and uh usually i have a little portable speaker and then you know my coworkers and i will kind of swap off the different music that we want to listen to we we don't really have to like um tap into the mainstreams too often but uh the other day we were listening to the radio and it was a bunch of hip-hop stuff and i didn't hear a single song that talked about anything other than girls and money and guns and it kind of like you know it made me realize you know back in the day when when hip-hop was first on the scene similar to punk rock and punk has kind of been subverted in a certain way as well. You know, you, I, I was saying to my coworker, like, I can't believe we went from fuck the police to this. It's so weird. Like that. It's the same genre. It's the same style, you know? Well, you know, I feel you, but I would say that that stuff is still there. They're just not mm. showing it to us. Like we're just not yeah. seeing it as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? To say that I there's not, you know, of course there's that anger is there. I just don't think they're showing it to us near as much as they used to. I agree with you. I just, I think, I think uh, hip hop in the mainstream is going through their eighties hair metal phase. Personally, huh. I mean, they're going through that glamor and glitz and, you know, uh, you know, everybody's got to be pretty and everybody's got to have all the nice cars and all the nice shit and, you know, kind of be baller the whole time. I think mean, that's just the phase they're going through. And then they'll probably go through a grunge phase where everything gets real lo-fi and everybody gets back to their roots. That's interesting. I, I'd really, I'd, I'd really like to see that. That's interesting. Yeah, me too. Me too. It'd be, it'd be nice to see things kind of reflect the reality that that we're all living in, because it feels yeah. a little kind of tacked on right now, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of tacking things on, 
<laughs> we uh we have uh we have a guest today he's got a kickstarter uh going right now for his uh comic this is the second issue of ink which is about a tattoo artist who uh develops mystical powers and uh everybody welcome please uh greg moquin is it pronounced moquin or moquin oh no you said it right the first time yeah there's only like a handful of people all right that. cool yeah so um you know you and i chatted briefly about um your your kickstarter going and and you know we we know each other in social media circles a fair amount you're pretty prolific um uh, sure <laughs> ah, you're, you're doing well um, but uh you know uh the reason that i wanted to bring you on here is because um you know as as it says in the intro punk and comics are kind of connected at the hip you know and uh i think <clears throat> the third hip so to speak would be would be you know alt fashion and tattoos get into that mix as well uh but it's interesting you know as chuck and i were talking about you know the shift into the mainstream i remember when i was a kid having a tattoo was like limited your job prospects you know and yeah. now it's it's just you know my coworkers have tattoos on their hands and stuff no problem. No one, no one says a word. So it has kind of entered the mainstream, but I was wondering, um, you know, in what form of, uh, you know, the artistic expression of tattoos, like what inspired you about that to, to pursue a comic book, especially something in the mystical realm? Um, my own tattoo artist. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that would be pretty cool if like tattoos, gave you powers and there are characters mm -hmm. like that so somebody did bring that up before, like when i was launching the pre-launch of the kickstarter like you know there's like already a character like that right i was like yeah he's different though. so calm down yeah I'm like oh okay good luck i was like yeah that's right what what do you have inked on you um this whole arm oh bad ass dude yeah. Um, and then I have Deadpool. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, but I do want like just Marvel and DC stuff on this arm. So like my favorite characters are going to just be on that arm. The next one I'm getting is Deathstroke and he's going to be fighting Deadpool. So wicked. Yeah. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> and I was saying, I was actually just there like, uh, last week to like schedule that tattoo. Um, cause it's been a couple of years since I got a tattoo and, uh, Cause you know, I just got a house, so mortgage and, uh, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I kind of want my own characters on my body somewhere, but you know, tattooing yourself on my body would be kind of creepy. He's like, yeah, that'd be kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I probably just want to do your character, even though like he's one of my favorite characters of our characters. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just, I thought it would be really cool to, tattoos could give people powers and then i just like brought the supernatural into that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well you know there's like a lot of connection to uh old you know ancient ritual and that kind of stuff when it comes yeah. to uh inking the body and you know representing different things on your body that kind of thing um the, I personally the maori no the the samoans like a lot of that kind of yep. stuff yeah yeah yep. um yeah, I personally have no tattoos, but it's mostly because my ideas are too ambitious. Um, and uh, I'm afraid I'm going to get halfway in and regret it. 
So it's my anxiety that keeps me at bay, but it has nothing to do with like disliking tattoos. Um, what, uh, what particular tattoo was your first? Um, actually, it's... It's this microphone. I don't, really, you can't really see because it it's blurry. Um, yeah, it's kind of blurry. Yeah, um, it's like the Elvis microphone from like the fifties. Oh, cool! And it's uh, "Words lie, music speaks," and it's actually like a Walt Disney quote, which I did not know until like I looked that up after. I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I just thought it was a cool saying, but he Crazy. once said that. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." So I technically have a Disney tattoo. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was the first one because like years ago, I for many years me and my friend ryan like really wanted to like have a band and then it just never happened <laughs> do you play anything i did play bass um so i cool. was just the dude that stood there <clears throat> hey man i'm the drummer so like <sighs> as, as far as i'm concerned you're the second most important person in the band yeah and uh yeah we wanted to do like um screamo kind of band and that we kept like finding people, but then nobody wanted to practice, and yeah, that's how that went. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, what particular bands were um, like influencing what you wanted to do? Like, what were the things that you were like, I want to be in a band because of those, because of that band there or those guys over there? Um, so, in the nineties, like the first band I probably heard because of the radio was Blink One Eighty Two mm, when I was a kid. Yeah. But uh, it was mostly uh, in middle school. I was like learning about like more into music, um, and so it was like Census Fail, Story of the Year, uh, like Kiss, Green Day, um, mm. and there's a bunch of bands. <laughs> Is there a specific era of Green Day? Like uh, I like Dookie. And uh, well, American Idi American Idiot was the last album that I actually kind of cared about, and mm -hmm. I just stopped listening to them because there was other bands that I started listening to. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's the thing is like you know, Chuck and I back in the day, I was like obsessed with System of a Down. They were one of my favorite bands of all time at the time. What up, John? Um, and uh, yeah, and then um, you know, I moved away and. And we all we each kind of did our own thing for a few years, and then when I came back to to visit again, their last album was coming out, uh, Hypnotize. And uh, when it came out, I remember because I was the the system of a down guy. I was the guy that told everybody about him when they first kind of hit, and they were like, "So Hypnotize, what do you think? What do you think?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. It's not it's not for me." And I was like, at first I was a little disappointed, but then I kind of realized like bands grow, and and like where I am now compared to when I first heard them, that changes. So are there any bands that like have stuck it out for you that like you still connect with to this day that from, from back in the early days? Uh, um, story of the year, I guess. Uh, I don't listen to them that much as mm -hmm. I used to. I used to be like, like worship their feet almost in, right. in middle school. Um, and since fail, like, I follow the singer on Instagram, but I, I don't like listen to their newest music. Uh, the used, right. the used, it was like, mm, it's yeah. still They're uh, great. Listen to, uh, that was probably one of my favorite concerts I ever went to in Connecticut was, um, the used, uh, sleep wave, which is the 
screamer of um, unclean vocalist of Undergrowth and um, some other band. I forgot the other band that was there. But uh, yeah, uh, Bert <laughs> like literally like locked eyes with me and my friend Ryan when we were there, and we were just like waving like. <laughs> starstruck <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome so that was cool um, cool a date to remember it has changed a little but i still like mm. them so very cool so screamo was kind of your 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 main um the vein of 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 punk that you were kind of into back in the day is that the deal yeah so uh, john has a really interesting he says great question my favorite band is primus and yet they have put out several subpar albums in late years Mm. it's really hard to keep that quality and connection to music over a long career i would actually disagree with you john not that you're calling them subpar i saw them live in 2019 Mm. by the way fucking fantastic loved seeing i love primus love seeing them live but the problem is that these bands have an evolution. And so you're saying, mm-hmm. oh, it's subpar. And really what it is is you're not enjoying their evolution, where they're going. And that yeah. doesn't make them any less – because those guys are talented as fuck. You can't take that from them. No one can. So I don't think, it to, I don't think it's a fair statement to say subpar, just that it doesn't connect with you the way that it once did. Well, I think a lot of what happens with bands that like you, you remember from your youth or like you felt it here the first time you heard them, you keep expecting that same feeling to happen as their new music comes out. You associate that feeling with them, but that was actually you. And the music was like a catalyst, you know, um, it's like, you know, thinking the spark plug is what makes the engine run like you know there's a lot of other moving parts in there that are making everything happen and really all that's doing is just starting the fire so you can't really hold the band responsible as they change and you change and then eventually you kind of meet each other in the middle um you know like i remember nine inch nails i was obsessed with for years Mm. and years and years i was like a collector like i don't really collect stuff but like i was on the hunt to have every nine inch nails album and single you know he has the halo with the number next to it on on all of his albums i wanted to have all the halos and uh and i hunted and hunted and hunted and eventually i realized it's like i you know i wasn't even enjoying the music anymore like i wasn't into what he was doing i was just doing it out of this sort of like compulsion and i kind of realized like you know i've changed trends changed why why would i expect this to connect the same way you know it's it's unreasonable expectation i think it's funny we music is like friends or even lovers in a way we connect to them really close but like one of the thing is um okay you know what ben and i and uh we were both in um in in kitchens a lot we we worked in restaurants and restaurants are fucking revolving doors of employees and Mm -hmm. i found myself falling in love with all these new people. You know, of course, there was a lot of people I didn't like, but I, I was f- finding myself like, I just, I like these people. And then they would disappear out of my life and I would feel empty afterwards. 
And then eventually I evolved to the point where the second I knew someone was leaving, like I, I, I hardened and I was like, okay, cool. This, this friendship is over and that's fine. And I would immediately move on and it wouldn't bother me at all. And I've come to be that way with music too. Where it's like, oh, I love this band. And then an album will come out and I'll be like, but this one sucks in my opinion. Like, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> and so I'd be cool with that. Because I wouldn't have to say, oh, Avenged Sevenfold sucks now. I'd just be like, Hail to the King was not for me. Bye-bye. And I just haven't gone back. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about uh, a lot of the bands that um, I got really into in the early 2000s. Um, you know, and uh, and... The thing is, I've noticed that uh, amongst a lot of my friends that are my age or a little older, when they when we listen to music together, they play the same 10 bands or 20 bands and they just kind of have them on repeat. And I am the kind of person where I'm always looking for the new shit. I always want to find the new band, the new sound, the the uh, the album that people don't listen to. I love that sh- that stuff. And uh, that's a certain, like, I got to, like, something's broken up here. And I don't have the nostalgia button that gets pressed for for anything. And uh, I, I've learned that, like, it's it's really hard for me to enjoy a band longer than an album or two because of that. So I think I always had this thing that you're talking about, Chuck, where I just, you know, it was like, okay, I'm done. Bye. I'll I think come it- back for another album or two, but, you know. I think it's also, and and this might fuck with you a little bit, it's also comfort versus discomfort. I think that I am comfortable in in a place in music where I can sit back and go, this era of metal and whatnot, this is what I love, this is what makes me feel comfortable. Whereas for you, I feel like knowing you well, you are uncomfortable being in one spot all the time. And so for you... Um, being with just one band for too long just because it would mean that you were sitting still and you don't like that idea that's not that's not Ben that's not how Ben rolls so you have to move on not even necessarily because the band's moved on but because you were like I can't just tread my wheels here I think it's more that it's just like there's so much other cool shit going on over there and no one else is looking at it like I feel a responsibility to like I'm I feel a responsibility to go over and be like, oh, uh, guys, come here. <laughs> Check it out. I love that right. you feel responsible. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's me, though. Maybe it's <laughs> John said subpar by my standards. Is it, is it what I meant? Metallica is another good example. Not good versus bad. Just can't repeat the prime years and moved on to other era of the band. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. I have my opinions of Metallica. I think they've done great work. Um, three out of four members have done great work. I just don't really feel like the drums stand up relative to the rest of the band. But I'm a drummer, and I'm allowed to be picky about that shit. Um, but, uh, Greg, you've been sitting here quietly <laughs> listening to us the entire time, so let's get back to you. Um, Tattoos. So, yeah. So, um I, the first thought I had when I started reading uh, the the first issue of Ink was, um, you know, 
comic art and tattoo art aren't that far apart, you know, and even like going off of, you know, you have a, you have a Deadpool sketched on you, you know, the fact that it's on your skin instead of paper doesn't really, you know, it's just a different medium. Um, was it, was it a challenge to find an artist that could render tattoos properly? Or was it kind of like, just like baked in that it was easy art is art kind of deal? Um, I found my tattoo artist because my friend Ryan, so he was getting tattoos already done. And then like, it took until I was like 20. Yeah. I think it was like 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was took like 10 years to get this arm done. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like he's like, just go to Shane. And I was like, okay. So then I did. And I was like, oh, he's doesn't suck at what he does. That's cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then he puts his little spin on stuff because I'm like, I don't, even if we find a reference on Google, don't copy that. He's like, oh, I won't. I was like, okay, cool. Just put your own spin. So he's your When so, you. Like... Go ahead, man. Oh, sorry. When you um, picked your artist for Ink, was it important to you that they had a respect for the art of tattooing or were you more worried about them just being good on, on paper? Uh, I was only worried about the comic art at the time. That was our first one that we technically released. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it took three years, three, four years to put the second one out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the next one won't take that long. Um, and it's pretty cool because, like, the artist, Adam, he, like, evolved within those, like, a couple years, so the yeah, art's you can better see that between one. issue one and two. It yeah. changed, a, uh, like, oh my it, God, it improved. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I thought issue one was good because I can't draw for shit. Like, I can't. I, I can draw a cube. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I feel the same way. Like, I when I read issue one, I was like, man, this art is fucking sick. And then issue two, I was like, did he get a different artist? Or, uh, like, I was like, no, same dude. Damn. I just evolved. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. So how many issues do you intend this to be? Uh, for the first plot arc, it was going to be four, but it's going to be three because of how other things in my comic universe play out. So, Oh, so this is part of a larger sort of macro universe. Yeah, I have. Well, I could talk about that forever, but I'm not going to. Um. <laughs> we, got to we got about 30 minutes, so like talk away. Man. Nah, you're going to get bored. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I, I'm, I, I think this is a cool idea. Like, I've, I've always felt like... Um, uh, you know, if you want to have your thing self-contained, that's cool. But I've always felt like the more connections get created in your story, that's lore, right? That's yeah. that's how you kind of like create an emotional bond with with uh, the the readers. Yeah. Um, so, um, like, how did this how did this macro universe get uh, started? Like, uh, what were the first early characters? Twenty fourteen. I started writing. Uh, story and that was like our that is what our flagship title seer chronicles is now and um i actually titled it red mask i don't know why i titled it that i was just like yeah red fire okay um and uh i wrote uh over 1200 pages of that and then ink yeah ink and everything else was like in that story and then cool. I was like, this all can't fit together like this. So I had to like split it apart. And then it was more story format. So hmm. um, yeah, I had to like split it 
into like a comic script, but how I split it into a comic script more looked more like a storyboard. Uh, Dylan, my uh, co-founder of my business said. So when we got our first artist, which was like a skateboard artist, like he could not do comic books. It was bad. <laughs> um, so nobody will ever see the first like seven pages of that ever, like right. hidden somewhere. <laughs> um, Indiana Jones has locked away somewhere. So right. uh, <laughs> um, the first version people saw was by this Ricardo guy. And he kind of like just did whatever he wanted on certain things. And I was like, ah, that's bad. And I paid for that, which is kind of annoying. Um, yep. So then we had to get that remastered again. And some people were like, why are you remastering that? <laughs> I was like, it's the first one was okay, but like, it's not what I wanted. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the first characters were John Benson, which is in uh, Seer Chronicles, um, Ryan Potts, Sadie Potts, uh, and the evil Matthew guy that turns into like our Joker character. And then I, um, ink sprouted from that. Interesting. So, so there must be some sort of like overarching kind of mythology that connects everything together. Like, yep. Yeah, you know this ancient society that uh, that gets revealed in the first issue of Ink and and so on. So it's all kind of there's a there's an like a a grand kind of orchestra. Yeah, playing this thing in the yeah. background. Um, the, How long did it take to kind of put all this together and like start figuring out which issues go with what? Like this is kind of a Kevin Feige kind of situation. You know what I mean? Uh, it took. Um, took like three years to take, uh, actually to write the whole thing <laughs> so from 2014 to like 2017. And then like me and Dylan found each other, uh, in 2016. And then we, I was living in Florida for like only a couple months and then I came back home and then we finally met in 2017 and then we started talking and then I actually finished it in 2017 at some point. And then I told him everything. I told him as much as I could tell him in like four or five hours. <laughs> He's like, that sounds amazing. Now we have to make a comic book company. I was like, yeah. So, uh, there, it's a lot of like puzzle pieces that uh, go together. But the faceless in the second issue of Ink is like super important to like a bunch of stuff. So oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, there. If there's another organization, I uh, shared a photo and I found it on my Instagram, my personal one, like forever ago. We I posted it, and it's just a picture that Dylan made in Photoshop, and it's just like it kind of looks like blood, but it's supposed to be like flower petals. And oh, that's cool. another organization that's in our uh, series Scales, and it's not, they're not the same as the Faceless, mm -hmm. but they work in different ways. And uh, interesting, yeah. So, <clears throat> so do you find the the collaborative process um, challenging or 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 positive? Because, like, I mean, this is kind of very clearly this is your baby, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you kind of have the all the parts kind of figured out. So, do you do you find it challenging to work with other people, or are you like, oh yeah, let's yes and the shit out of this? Um, I'm pretty good i think at like project management um so i can uh work with any artist as long as they you know 
do as I and ask. Draw. <laughs> and yeah. draw. How many tuna sandwiches? Uh, actually, <laughs> I don't think he eats one tuna sandwich in the second one. So, I don't know. He's too busy. The fans are going to revolt. <laughs> <laughs> Big reveal. You heard it today. <laughs> well, there is a character Let's that drops the knowledge. There is a character that does eat something. It's not a tuna sandwich, though. Um, <laughs> that sounds so fucking sadistic the way he said it. He eats something. <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't a tuna sandwich, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if this was Belial, people would be like, wait, 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 well, what are they eating this time? Like, fuck. You going back to that outhouse? <laughs> what? <laughs> So um, now clearly this, this, as you've been saying, this ink uh, concept has been baked into uh, your universe for some time. So um, how do you determine for yourself or like with your team, uh, like how to tell the story? Because there's so many different kind of angles you can enter from. Um, so I write it. And then the artist does as I tell him. It. <laughs> so, uh, Wouldn't that be nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I write it, and um, then Dylan edits some of our scripts. Now I kind of like gave some of that power to like other people. Like my friend Hector start started editing, so uh, he's actually available to do editing for other people. Not to take that away from Chuck, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bob Brandon, Bada! <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he's very good at editing because he's different than Dylan in a couple things. So when I'm like collaborating with Dylan, it's kind of like uh, different. <laughs> but Hector, he doesn't take apart my script and like he's like, this is what we can do. And because uh, Dylan's good at coming up with like making the idea better, Hector mm -hmm. is like, I'm going to keep your idea and then we're going to just expand on it instead of. Uh, you know, tear right. art to pieces and be like, well, now we're going to put it back together in a different way. So it makes right. more sense. Yeah. Because most of the time when I'm writing, I'm at work because I'm a security guard. I don't do anything. And I hate that job so much. So fire me. So there's, uh, <laughs> so I'm just That's writing. no punk. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, sometimes it gets up to the point of like, I'm about to leave. So I like rush typing at the end. And then when I go back and read it, I was like, oh, what? what did I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Yeah. So yeah. that's when Dylan or Hector is like, what did you mean? I was like, no idea. He's like, do you have it written down somewhere? I'm like, no. <laughs> We're going to just guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me see that. Backspace. And we're good. I think it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I've done that a few times. So do you find, like, as Chuck mentioned before, I've had my fair share of soul-sucking jobs. Um, I found it kind of, like, counterintuitively, I found it inspiring to have kind of a dead-end job that I didn't enjoy, where I felt like, like, you take that deep breath before you have to start your day, because you're just like, okay, here we go. Like, that I found inspiring for the creative side where having having this uh negative influence in my life was like pushing me to 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 
uh, get the hell out of this hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you find the same or, or yeah. is it, does it, um, do you struggle at times or is it like kind of when you're at work, that's the writing time? So I get that I have to do my job when like there is something that happens, which is, it's yeah. like rare, but now I'm jinxing myself. Um, but usually I just clear alarms, but it's an overnight job. So like nobody's really there except mm-hmm. me and the two other guards. And I'm stuck in this room and while driving to work, I am annoyed that I have to go to work, but I'm like, oh, I get to write now. So, <laughs> so, and I get to listen to music. Like, that's what I do. I just put Spotify on and just write. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's a pretty sweet gig. And then you get yeah. to put your stuff on Kickstarter and make a little extra cash. That's all right. Yeah. Or break even at least, hopefully. <laughs> One of the lyrics that I felt helped me when I was in the dead end job and trying to work at comics was this one. It's from Skid Row. It's slave to the grind. And he says, um, cause I won't be the one left behind. Can't be King of the world. If you're slave to the grind. Yep. And I was like, dude, fuck. Yeah. And that one, that one, uh, was very helpful for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, you were part of the screamo, uh, scene. Uh, and uh, I assume still kind of are. The Screamo scene was, to, in my memory, the first one where the tattoos were like front and center. Like that was the first time I ever remember seeing full sleeves on people that it wasn't somebody who was like A, a tattoo artist or B, I hate to put it this way, but a biker gang adjacent, you know? Um, <clears throat> I'm just being honest. You know, like for the most part, prior to that, tattoos were kept above the sleeve or on a part of the body that clothing kind of protected. But full sleeve tattoos on guys on the on the stage, that was a screamo thing. So um, was did that scene have anything to do with, uh, you know, the the story of ink? Like, is the musical background a part of it? Uh, Not really. Um, Hmm. Just music does like certain uh, vibes, I guess, of uh, mm-hmm. music that I listen to, um, that determines how I'm going to write a certain like bunch of pages. So I actually put on a certain band if it's um, just like a calm, like talking back and forth thing. So there's a band like Passion Pit. I I like found them through my girlfriend. So like I'm just like, oh, that's a good band. So now I'm gonna just like listen to this one song, Sleepyhead, nonstop. And I'm going to just, it's going to just be talking and just like, yeah. Um, if it's like a fighting scene that I definitely want to write, um, I put like Dance Gavin Dance on because they're like probably now my favorite band. Uh, and it, uh, any one of their songs, like usually Evaporate, their song Evaporate from two albums ago um, is like just, amazing and i could blast that at work like i don't care if somebody's like walking by the door like what's that (laughs) yeah yeah very cool very cool yeah my my song to uh get me in the mood for like an action scene but i also use it for like drumming practice is uh tooth and claw by animals as leaders Mm. i don't know if you know animals as leaders but they're uh they're like virtuosic like progressive metal i would say like math metal they're fucking wild. 
And uh, Isn't Sean's some Kirby's of the, the members, aren't some of the members from Dilger Escape Plan in uh, Animals as Animals Leaders? leaders? Oh, no, I, I might be thinking of Killer Be Killed. You are. Killer Be okay, Killed okay. is uh, two members from uh, DEP. That's right. Um, but uh, Animals as Leaders has uh, the guitarist is super famous. I can never remember his name. Eamon Tobin. Uh, I don't know if you know Eamon Tobin, but like, man, the guy plays guitar like he was born with one in his hand. It's insane to listen to. Uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So, what what kind of music are, is inspiring you now? Like DGD, as you said, but uh, and Passion Pit. But uh, what else is kind of like on your playlist at the moment? Um, there's a band called The Home Team, and just the singer has like a really unique voice. So I was like, I just like his voice a lot. And it's in a, of, what, he's in a. How would you a, describe it? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just. It's very like pop punky, but at the same time, it's okay. like, I don't know. It's just different from all the other bands that I've listened to. And he's in a, the singer of that band is featured in one of my other favorite bands, Broadside. He's in like a brand new song that just came out. So I like that one part very much because two of my favorite singers, well, two of millions singers that I like are in this band yeah. at the same time. I was like, oh, that's cool. Nice. Have you used much of the tattoo idea for any of your branding or merchandising? Like, are you guys put on stretch goals with with print on tattoos, or have you thought about, um, say, like doing traditional tattoos as variant covers? Like, can we ever will we ever see anything like that, or is that not really something you're um. interested in doing? We actually are going to get like way more into like the tattoo side of stuff uh, in the second plot arc because I'm just trying to tell the story in the first one. Um, but the second plot arc is going to like actually show flashbacks of how he got his tattoos because in the first issue he has like different tattoos than in the second one. So there's yeah. like weird ones and we didn't really have it like uh, played out like, oh, this is what we should actually do to his body. Uh, that sounds weird. So, um, <laughs> so uh, in the second issue, we actually like came up with a bunch of tattoos and powers that like associate with them, and oh, cool. how he got them. So, where when he's training and mastering his skills um, away from home for three years, we're gonna show like flashbacks, kind of like Arrow on the island. It's mm. not gonna be a CW drama, and he's gonna be. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to show like how he got each tattoo and like wh what he had to do to get that tattoo. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Can you give any teasers as to like uh, a, a tattoo that we haven't seen and uh, maybe a power connected to it in any way? Um, there is a tattoo. Oh, that's in the third issue. There's a tattoo on his back and their wings. And when his tattoos actually like do stuff, um, they glow purple and the actual tattoo like becomes like an actual like object he can use it might one of my favorite things is the chain that is on his like forearm he can actually use that chain and like choke the shit out of somebody <laughs> so he does that in the second issue um and it's one of my favorite things that have ever been drawn in any of our comics yet uh it's just amazing how it is he has um super strength to a sense on one arm um because it, that's where his arm is 
I, I don't think it really goes for his whole body. Um, uh, that would look but, hilarious. Just yeah, like, just just like, like you don't want to mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that that one episode of Rick and Morty where uh, Morty ends up getting the huge one arm, yeah. <laughs> and the giant arm has to fight that dude. Yeah. The gladiator arm, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like it really like goes for his whole body, but I, I don't know. I mean, Dylan could probably like figure that out. Be like, oh, why wouldn't it? I, was like, I don't know because I'm overthinking. Um, <laughs> he has another tattoo that hasn't been used. Yeah, and I don't think he uses it in the third issue. I forgot. I write the things. Um, it's a chameleon, and it's like his hair is kind of covering it, but that he actually can like blend into like surroundings. So I could have used it in the second one because he's like hiding in some trees and bushes and stuff. But I just I just didn't use it there because I'm like just draw like a panel and just have him invisible. <laughs> I mean, like just you don't have to draw him. <laughs> I kind of liked how you, especially in the second issue, how you show off certain uh, abilities he has, but you kind of leave it open to interpretation, like what, like where the powers are coming from. Like there was one in particular where he's like chasing a guy and you see this thing glow on his leg and then he just speeds up. But that's all, you know, he's still wearing pants. You can't see the tattoo. So it kind of like. I like that you left it up to the uh, the reader's imagination before, you know, it intrigues me because it's like, oh, he comes in kind of like he's he's like the action figure that comes with the punching action already. You know what I mean? Like, where did he get it from? So you, you want to kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for issue three is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like how we came up with all those. So <clears throat> and uh, the reason ink is around is because it goes back into the faceless and they're around because of this object that's actually like connects to the seer chronicles so interesting all connects. um yeah how long do you think it'll take to get to the sort of climax of this um overarching story that you've got right now so the soul the solo series um characters so i got ink that ends at issue three for the first plot arc um, scales. There's two more issues of that too. So there's three issues in total of that. Uh, the first issue is just like he's a kid, and like I had like a couple people read that. Now people liked it, but they're just like he's just a, like it's not a superhero comic. It's just yeah. It's definitely an origin story of just how he becomes what he's going to become. Um, right. But the second issue like takes place like 30 years later or something like that, or 20. I forgot what it was. He, he's definitely older. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he goes yeah. back home and stuff. Uh, so there's only three issues of that for the first plot arc. Um, and then there's another character that I still need to do, but money. So I can't like have that character right. made yet. Uh, but he's kind of important because he kind of connects the pieces. Um, he's the other person. And then it goes into this graphic novel team-up thing. And I know some... Ooh. Yeah. And then there's another character in that graphic novel team up only. Um, and he's the one character <laughs> in our universe that like, like he's based on a person that I worked with and he was like, just cool. And I was like, you're the one character I'm not going to like fuck with. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to do your story. your little like one, one and done thing. And then you're going to like go on a vacation somewhere. And that, that's how nice. your thing, your story's going to end. He's like, Oh, that's cool. They should do more of that in Marvel, don't you think? 
<laughs> Everybody has to die six times and get resurrected. And, oh yeah, and we you once know we like have people that die, they don't come back. Like I yeah. know a lot of other indie people, they do that. They're like, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice if you know uh, I don't know Gene Gray could just like take a day off. Like <laughs> nothing you're doing's helping. Just go sit on a beach, relax yeah. for a little while. You know, you need to calm down. Just <laughs> that's right. Maybe the water would be good for the Phoenix. Maybe just take a break. <laughs> It'll boil. <laughs> it's not helping. It's not helping. <laughs> the ocean's a fucking hot tub. Right, totally. Fish are just like... Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, have comics always been a part of your life? Uh, no, actually. Um, no. I was more into just video games when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is actually like what started everything for me, technically. Mm. If you want to, like, I like said that in some other podcasts like a while ago. Um, I thought it was video games, but it, it's like a mix of video games and just that. I played mm. like a religious amount of times, like just Super Nintendo at my cousin's house and it was like TMNT. It was that we watched those movies, like the nineties movies all the time. The yeah. third one isn't as good as the other two, but, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Though, that's like really what started like it all for me. Um, the only actual mainstream comic that I have is Spider-Man and it's like just one run of like, you know, Eddie Brock turns the venom and that's it. That's the only like thing that I got of that. Uh, I, all the other comics I have are all indie comics. Interesting. So yeah. you got into it later in life? Is that yeah, the deal? Definitely the comic end of that. I got into like as, like when I became part of the community, and I'm like, oh, well, these people know how to write and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what what made you decide to make this a comic book? Because you said you had 1,200 pages of story written. So why did you decide to do this route instead of just going straight prose? It, it's definitely more cost effective. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, um, because my brother's friend at the time was like, this would be cool as a comic book. And I was like, cool. Now I got to figure all that out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're the most malleable motherfucker I've ever met. You're like, cool, I guess I'm making a comic. Are you like, this dude for why you have a comic book series now? Like, <laughs> I really want to, I would love to see him just walk up to this dude and be like, fuck you, do you know how expensive that shit is? Make your own fucking comic, piece of shit. Tell me to make a comic, fuck, mother. He was like a, uh, a lit major or something. Um... And he's like, when I was reading your story, you're like the William Shakespeare comics. I was like, no, I'm not. But uh, uh, that's a, that's quite a compliment. Obviously, yeah. I'm gonna remember that because ego. But he, he's, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's like, yeah. So like, you should just turn that into a comic. So that's how I found like um, my friend Dylan. I actually found him on Craigslist, and that's how like we created our company. I'm like, hey, you want to meet me in the back alley, and. No, <laughs> this is this is a really interesting development for your business. I'm fascinated. Yeah, a right. dude, a dude called you the William Shakespeare of comics, and so you found a drug dealer who wanted to work with you. 
he seemed like a. Was he selling killer. watches? Like, what was the deal? <laughs> He's actually the Craig's killer, uh, Craigslist killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just took a liking to Greg. Yeah, he's yeah. like, you know what? what? This guy should be making killing. comics. <laughs> he's like, I was murdering people, but comics is, you know, it's really inspiring. So I decided to stick with it. It and soothes I, the savage beast. And I do, I do have a one-shot comic at some point coming up that's a serial killer. So, like, <laughs> oh, cool. cool. Starring Not Dylan. Inspired by anybody you know, of course. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> His name is Nulid. <laughs> so, did you have any plans on publishing before you kind of pursued the comic route, or was like, was this sort of like the ball got rolling and you were like, you know what, like, let's just take this as far as we can go? Um, so I had to like, we first had to like turn it into like comic scripts. So, like, first I wanted to like find an artist because for some reason I thought that was the first step because Google was a thing, still is, but I didn't think of asking Google. Right. <laughs> How do, we do that? I was like, what's the question that I should ask? So instead, I just went on Craigslist and looked for not an artist, a graphic designer, because I'm stupid. Okay. And I looked for that. And then uh, I was like, well, I kind of do need a comic artist and not a graphic designer. He's like, well, I don't draw, but I can like draw in Photoshop. It's like, you can make me a logo. And then it was just going to be me for the company. And uh, for most of the time, it is just me. But, uh, he helps with marketing and stuff. Um, and then when we started talking, he's like, oh, now I'm like actually invested in, in this because you're the William Shakespeare comics. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, he's like, oh yeah. So what do you want to like do? Like, what's the route you want to go? And I'm um, like, uh, he's like, do you want to like put your stuff with Dark Horse or like IDW or anything? I was like, no, I want to like mm -hmm. do it all on our own. Like, I want to, like, figure all that shit out on our own and, like, just make it ten times harder. <laughs> so, so like, yeah. what, why was, like, what was the reason to, to go completely, like, fly solo completely? Um, I, back then I was, like, how a bunch of those, like, new creators are. Like, any new creators, like, I don't want to tell you anything about my story mm. because of this. But I told him because I'm like, oh, well, before I tell you this, <laughs> you got to sign. No, I didn't, I didn't have him do that. I was like, uh, yeah, if I tell you this, like, don't steal it. So I was like that in the beginning. And then I was like, ah, like, there's so much story that, like, the way you steal it is there's no way you can steal it. And if you do, yeah. well, I guess it was a good story because it was told. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we, we talked for, like, four or five hours. I told them a, bun a bunch of stuff about the story. And then we talked about, like, how to formulate into a business stuff because he was more hmm. knowledgeable about that stuff so it was it was never kind of tempting to to give the creative rights to someone else and just kind of let it happen on its own no no <laughs> no i wanted to do all that on my own um yeah finding an artist uh took a little bit it took like two year, two three years because for the beginning part i at some point didn't have a job and i was like i'm gonna try to find an artist that would do this for free that that's not a thing. <laughs> no. and uh that then i found the first artist which is the skateboard dude and he it wasn't good so then we found ricardo and it was okay but like then he was adding his own stuff in like one time he had like an ed sheeran poster on a wall and i was like i don't even like him 
so why are you adding and i'm like and it's all indie like it's supposed to be all indie stuff like even right. indie music is involved in our universe so don't right. don't do that and he's like okay but isn't it funny i was like not really because here i'm paying for this so don't do that right yeah yeah but he still did stuff like he added like our logo on top of a bus stop and i was like that makes it like super meta and just weird like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it feels like those are the kind of things you should be like hey man i'm thinking of doing this what do you think instead yeah. of just drawing no, it in and going, i didn't even notice the bus stop thing because that was the beginning of like us like just printing stuff and i was like right i printed one version of that comic i somewhere over here and it has a camaro logo on it on the car and i was like shit <laughs> and, camaro we uh, are not affiliated in any way with sierra nova comics <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I like had a picture or whatever when i was like so i printed a bunch of these and like uh it's got the camaro logo in there so what do i do with them and people are like just keep them and they're like exclusive i'm like i i don't think i could sell this yeah they're so exclusive no one's allowed to have them. so i uh, <laughs> our first comic-con that we're doing on saturday i'm going to just like give them away if they want them but good call here this is a cool exclusive thing that we did in the very beginning and you can have the the bad version of this comic <laughs> <laughs> congratulations you've won the shitty version <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious so you're doing a fair amount of conventions uh the first one ever is saturday and then we want to do like two or three more this year that's the like cool. we've never done any yet uh oh very cool so you're we, we're your gonna teeth. start that yeah we're gonna start that in 2020 and then yeah yeah i remember <laughs> 2020 vaguely yeah yeah so so you're getting you're getting back on the horse this year so uh what are the what are the conventions that you have planned for um definitely the one that so we were invited to the first one that we're ever doing. Um, it's in Troy, New York, and it's Upstate Tabletop Con, Upstate New York Tabletop Con. Um, it's a D and D convention. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's like, you're the only people I know that have a comic book company. I'm like, you know, you there's Facebook. We're on it right now. Like, oh. <laughs> you yeah. can just look. Um, I'm like, I know a person that literally has a comic made by D and D, like a D and D campaign. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, he lives in like Connecticut or South Carolina or something. So I don't know if he can drive here to right. do your convention. But yeah, that would definitely, he would make so much money at that one. Yeah. It's just D&D &D people. And he, his pitch, because I heard from his friend, Jason, because he was on our podcast earlier today. And he's like, his pitch is literally like somebody walks by their table. They're like, do you like D&D? &D? And they're like, oh. And then they just walk over and then he starts talking about like crit. That's it. That's all he talks about. And then he does, he sells them. And I was like, oh wow. Well, he's he's got it, he's got it clinched. Speaking yeah. of D D inspired comic books, have you ever read Rat Queens? Um, no. But I feel like I've I would I would suggest for anybody who, who likes uh like fantasy stories but doesn't want to take them too seriously, give Rat Queens a look. It's uh it's basically about four uh, females in like a fantasy kind of D and D campaign universe where they're like dungeon uh, crawling and that kind of thing, but uh, none of them take their thing very seriously. They're part of like kind of a guild, 
um, but they just think everybody else sucks, and uh, and their and their commentary is is constantly meta. It's a brilliant, brilliant comic. It's hilarious. Cool. Uh, but anyway, I just yeah. you you reminded me of that comic I haven't read in uh, about a year. But damn, it's good. Anyway, so you're doing a and D convention. So, um, is there a connection with your comic and and table? So you're just gonna um, wing it. That's great. Because he's just like we. I know you from like high school, and you make comics. Great. I was like, cool. We're the only ones selling actual comic books. There is a comic book store that's going to be there um, called Zombie Planet, but they're going to be selling D and D stuff. So. We kind of got the comics thing like clinched. <laughs> Great. And I'm like, if you want to buy comics, like you have to come to our table. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Any other conventions you got planned? Uh, I kind of want to do Baltimore because um, a lot of people said that that's a good one, and um, we're actually trying to get people on our platform to do conventions if they can. So there's like a guy in Montreal. And he's like, there's a good one in Montreal, so I can do it there. And I was like, that would be cool. Um, yep. and th- w- there's people all over the place on our platform that's like Ireland and stuff. So, like, if they can do that, then you just spread the name and everything. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, issue two is currently being crowdfunded. Uh, where where are we at in terms of the, the length of the campaign and, and uh, you know, um, the how much you funded so far uh right now we're at 17 days to go uh, 83 backers and it's two thousand two hundred and fifty five dollars so we are funded but we're trying to hit stretch goals right yeah that's um the days 17 days to go that's you're like you're in the tunnel man like yeah that's the uh, that's the darkest period of the, um, the campaign for and my i do experience. have a uh birthday bundle thing that we're coming out with because uh, well we were supposed to do it this weekend because dylan's birthday is on tuesday and it was going to just be like a bunch of stuff like as a limited reward but we're going to do it during the weekend of my birthday because my birthday is april 2nd so mm. i can actually do it then because adam right. the artist is sending me like comics to like put within that bundle that we can like sell so yeah we're gonna do that um and he wants to do some special reward during our convention so i don't know and we have a retail tier and that's the first time i actually put one on there like ahead of time and there has yet to be a store <laughs> to actually get it but all in good time man i had a retail tier on mine uh and uh i didn't expect it at all and then i think it was the last six or seven days yeah i, I think they wait for the fund and all that stuff. And yep. That, yep. Yeah. yeah. They want to see what kind of hunger people have. And then if they yeah. see positive enthusiasm, then they'll like, fuck it. Let's throw a couple issues on the, on the, on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, um, thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and thanks for, uh, letting me read both issues of ink. Uh, it's, fantastic i'm definitely going to be going in and backing the campaign as soon as i'm done with the podcast you're you're killing it man like that art yeah i love it <laughs> legit i do yeah um do you have anything else you uh you want to any shout outs or any events you want to talk about before uh, before we wrap up here 
Um, just the one that we were doing. So I already mentioned it. So, uh, Sweet. No other event. Cool, man. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on here, and uh, and I hope it was uh, all you dreamed it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, thanks for coming as well. You, dude, uh, always always love hanging yeah. out with you guys. Yep, back at you, man. All right. All right. That's it for us. <laughs> My name is Chuck, and I give a fuck. Take care, everybody. Hey, you made it through an entire episode. Good for you. If you're looking for more, give the rest of the channel a look. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you fuckers next time. Later. Muxpout.